Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you for still listening. And here we are with the first cropped of 2022. It's already February. So, wow, 11, you know, we only got 11 months left. I don't know about this year, but I got Will Dennis, of course, here. So, hi, Will. How's your 2022 Hello. so far? Yeah, so far, so good. We were kind of hunkered down for most of January, trying not to get the sicknesses, but, you know. It's all good. It seems like we're coming out of it, at least in New York. Getting back into whatever passes for normal. And it's actually sort of been a real winter. Coming off a conversation with uh, Sarah and Paul uh, regarding rewriting Extinction, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and being a New Englander, I I do miss the winters. I mean, our winters have changed. And I want to get all climate change environmentalists, but I, I like sort of the downtime and just the how mm-hmm. quiet it can get being out the boonies. I don't know about New York. I mean, where do you put the snow in New York is the question. Yeah, I know. It's I mean, slipping on ice. Yeah. To, I really know. like winter when I'm not in New York, winter <laughs> in New York city isn't like Christmas in New York city is great. But after that, it's like enough already. But when you're, yeah, like when I was in Connecticut last year for the whole winter, yeah, it's great. Like the season change, like just the, you know, the animals and the whole thing. It's very, it's, yeah, it's, it's very calming, like taking walks in the cold. And it, it's it's kind of nice, you know. But yeah, New York City in January, February is pretty bleak. Turning a corner and getting blasted by a wind because of the wind tunnel. And stuff. <laughs> well, we got all that snow and then, you know, it's nice for like an hour. And then a day later, it's just every corner is a dirty slush pile. And like, you know, the snow, like this week, the snow all melted, but they hadn't picked up the garbage like last week, like right before the snowstorm yeah. and it all got covered. So now it's like this urban archeology span project of like all, like they've unearthed thousands of bags of garbage <laughs> sitting there on the curb. So they're coming tomorrow for garbage day. And I'm like, God, I hope they pick up all these bags that have been sitting under this ice flow for seven days now so yeah it's not not particularly romantic you know robert frost new england winters when you are out in the country does it affect like how you edit i mean you know is there a state of mind you sort of take on like that winter state of mind where does it how does it influence your editing where does it go you know this sort of hippy dippy question about your creativity and editing and interacting with people are you you know is there a rush um, to get things done? Does it feel like, or are no, things a little I'm different? Never, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm never in a rush to get things done because I'm, everything is very controlled chaos, you know, like there's no drama. So, or that I hope to have no drama, but yeah, I mean, definitely, I feel like it's, it's much more calming. It's much easier to stay kind of calm and focused, you know? I mean, it's tricky because working from home in New York is kind of a drag because like I used to really like to go to the office, you know, like you just because there's a certain level that New York city, it's like the subway ride, the trip there, like you're putting on your battle armor kind of all day long. And I remember like jumping off the train, practically like going up the steps onto the street, into the building, into the elevator, you know, it's like coming out of the tunnel and like a football game or something. You know what I mean? Like you just felt like, you couldn't not bring your A game because you had to survive the commute to the Manhattan every day. So it was like, there wasn't, you, you know, it was like always like 
you, you were on, you know, like you had your sort of game face on, which I do miss that. And you do derive a lot of energy and enthusiasm from, from that, or I always did. So, but, but when you're here with the kind of downsides of a city, but you're kind of stuck at home, it's just, I don't know, you know, but at least when I'm in the country and I'm home here or stuck, it, it's not, you know, it's not bad. Like you're looking out the window at nature and it's quiet and, you know, the snow is real nice and you can go take long walks and it's cold and, you know, it's not disgusting everywhere. And, you know, so yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend work from home in Manhattan. I mean, I've thought even about like, should I try to find an office to go to? or whatever, but I don't know. It just seems like an unnecessary expense, you know? Yeah, and uh, like when I was in LA, I was wondering, you know, to survive in that town is to avoid traffic, you know, mm-hmm. to just keep your sanity. And I was wondering about working at home. I worked at home and it, I guess LA is a little different because you can, there's, you can just walk outside and the days are not, you know, anything like what you have to, you yeah. know, the, the pendulum switch of New York, you know, it's, going to be sunny probably might be a little gleamly, but you know, and you get rain for a day or something. But I was wondering, you know, about that at times of like, okay, this is the perfect setup. I'm working at home. I don't have to get my car, you know, Mm -hmm. to go there. It's put me in that state of mind. I guess maybe New York's a a little different because everybody wants to avoid being in traffic in LA (laughs) because that's what you have to do to get to work. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of bleak here in the wintertime, you know, so you don't have any of the upside of like the, you know, the nature and the snow and the quiet outdoor spaces, but you can't really go outside because it's freezing cold and or just disgusting. So you kind of, I mean, there's like, I can go whole weeks when like, all the only time I go outside is like to go get the mail downstairs or something or run around the corner to like the pizza place or something, you know, cause you're not really like, Oh, you know, I'm going to go take a walk on fourth Avenue and 36th street and, you know, <laughs> some car will fly by you and spray you with like slush, you know, and your thing or something, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's it, the, the thrills wears off, you know, in a hurry, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It is, it is tricky. I mean, I definitely miss the office and miss an office environment, but I, I think it's like, I miss the people and the, you know, the, the, whatever you know the hubbub of an office or the sort of you know all the all that kind of stuff it's not just like being in an office space like I, that's why i don't think i want to pay for just like an office to sit there by myself all day it seems kind of weird yeah exactly you'd be like well i'm gonna leave my apartment and go to another place where i'm gonna sit by myself <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and look out the window and go oh that right. was horrendous. you know yeah right, there is that exactly. interaction and just sort of that i don't know that different mind for you know the state of mind now we're a month through already the damn mm-hmm. groundhog said we got six more weeks is there do you break down the year when you're looking at it as you know for editing and stuff do you um were there things you wanted to hit in january are there things you plan on hitting like say in another two months i mean how do you start your year off uh or is it just like okay i gotta get up and start today you know um Yeah, I I always have a plan. I mean, that's like the rule number one is always have a plan. Um, Yeah, I mean, January, February tend to be a little slower, like just, I think, you know, naturally. So you always just sort of feel like it's kind of settling accounts held over from the year before and also just trying to speculate out like the rest of the year. 
I mean, it, it tends to be, it's somewhat similar to the movie cycle in terms of, you know, there's always something in the summertime that's, or they used to always try to plan something that was kind of big in the summertime, you know, like you could drop at San Diego or just sort of more of a summertime feel to like whatever the project launch was, you know? And then in the fall, like maybe you're moving into some different things or, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, in more recent years, they definitely built stuff around, you know, say like announcing at a convention or something, you know, like last October, it was like the Scott Tober launch of all the comicsology stuff, you know, like time to New York comic con, this like big party we had, the gathering and all that. And, you know, and, and the same with San Diego has been recent years trying to get something to have there to sign or to announce, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, these months are usually tend to be kind of a little slower just because I think everybody's naturally like a little bit slower and they're kind of just more hunkered down trying to get work done and get the year off on a good, good start, you know? And I feel like our comic book people tend to be, I mean, the productivity, at least in the teams I've been working on so far this year have been really hot, you know, like they really like towards the end, like you always have this drop off towards the end of the year between Thanksgiving and then the holiday, Christmas holidays. And, you know, there's a lot like things start to kind of the wheels start to come off a little bit, like by the end of the year generally, but this time of year, yeah, so I've been kind of surprised on all the books, like all the Scott books, the comicsology books. Like yeah, people have been really cranking, you know, <laughs> like turning in these issues, like on like you know four week turnarounds and like sticking to the deadlines. And so I don't, I don't know if it's New Year's resolutions or what the hell it is, but there's nothing else to do. You can't, you're stuck inside anyway. So exactly. you might as well draw your pages, you know. Well, so. um, yeah, you guys are. I mean, just to, you're on issues. The first three issues of that release are on issue four now. And then according to yeah. there's going to be, when do the, the, when does the second wave start? Are they going to overlap um, or do they just basically follow up the next month? They shouldn't overlap. Uh, no, like we're wrapping up. Well, we have demons is wrapped up. That was only three like exercise issues, you know, and oh, okay. then we're going to like a print. Those are getting print editions, like single issues. So the first print edition of, demons number one comes out in the end of March from dark horse. So at the same time that that's coming out is when we were wrapping, trying to wrap night of the ghoul and clear because those are six issues, you know? So those would be January, February, March. So basically it's time so that as those start to wind down, then the, the print editions hit of demons so that that gets its own kind of buffer, you know, in terms of, like there aren't other things competing with that for attention stuff, you know? Um, so when that comes out at the end of March and then the plan, and we haven't officially announced it, but the plan I think then is for the next wave starting like April, May, June, probably, or possibly May, June, July. I don't know. We're sort of, it's some of that just depends on how far ahead people can stay and all that sort of stuff, you know? <laughs> so there'd be three new books. Um, like one a month starting April, May, June, I think at the moment is where we're at with that. Um, and then there's the third wave again in the fall, like probably similar to last, you know, October, maybe hopefully that seemed to go really well. So, because then by then, you know, then these ones that launch in the spring, if they're, you know, they tend to be between four to six issues or installments or chapters or however you want to do it. So then that would be like, you know, April, May, June, July, August, September, you know, so they would start to be just winding down 
as the next wave like hits, you know, so that you're, you're trying not to, I mean, if it's just a little overlap, I think that's fine, you know, cause it's like if someone's bought the first or read the first five issues of, you know, barnstormers or something like that, are they not going to read issue six because it comes out the same week as issue one of the next thing, you know, book come, new book comes out. I don't, I mean, I think they're going to stick with it. Right. So a little overlap isn't, isn't terrible, but we're trying to do it so that just as the enthusiasm for, you know, maybe one series or group of series winds down, then we just hit you with like the next batch of books, you know? That's really interesting because when I was setting up after I would talk to humanoids, but the idea when I had my uh, small publisher, we were talking about releasing, you know, not doing ongoing series because there's mm-hmm. a constant loss of number. You're losing numbers. So you're forced right. to like, you know, you have to relaunch and all that sort of craziness of like, but you, once you get a series going and you're holding onto that real estate at a comic book store, you know, if you're lucky mm-hmm. enough to get a retailer to spend some money, how do you hold onto that real estate again the next month after your, your six issue series runs out is like, you have something either overlap or follow up immediately that, mm-hmm. you know, not only do you have the eyeballs now you might be switching genres, you might be switching a book that you might lose some readers, but at least on a retail basis, you're holding on to that real estate. It's interesting in comiXology, you're not really, well, now you are dealing with that because of the dark horse deal. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have to hold on to that real estate. You know, mm-hmm. um, is that, was that something, a conversation about, okay, now that we're going into the brick and mortar, now that we're printing that this whole plan, it sounds like that too. That's an idea of just, once we establish ourselves, we are not going to let that ground go. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, my feeling is like every month we need to have like a footprint, like ideally in both channels, you know, but if, if, if nothing else, then there's, there's some material from Scott and his crew, like every month, you know, and sometimes there's more than one thing a month or, you know, or sometimes it's a brick and mortar thing and it's a digital thing, but, but yeah, once you, once you launch in October of last year, then for as far as we can run this string out with all, like all these things and the stuff that's coming up or even doing new stuff that we haven't, you know, cooked up or gotten under contract, even whatever, it's like, you just want to run this out as long as you possibly can, you know? And if you're constantly, you know, if there's new people coming in and then other people kind of moving on or coming back with doing different things, or maybe you're doing follow-ups to the, you know, maybe you're doing a sequel to the thing you just did, or you're doing a prequel. I mean, I don't know. We, you know, those are things we haven't figured out past the third wave per se, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like you said, I mean, it's, once you've established that beachhead, it's like, you don't, I mean, the plan in my mind was to like, don't give an inch, you know, like in terms of like have stuff out available to people, like at least once a month so that you have a, a you know, you have some presence out there so that, people don't forget about you. I mean, not that people are necessarily in a hurry to forget about Scott, like given his fan base and how loyal and excited they seem to be about all of his material, but you know, yeah, that is, (laughs) you just, yeah, but you can't take it for granted. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing. I mean, I do feel like, I mean, I do, I mean, the good thing for me about these projects in the year ahead is just like, I've been doing this a long time and Scott's been doing it now a long time and stuff, but it's like, it's a little like, for in my mind it's a little like that sort of Tom Brady approach where it's just like, I don't, it'd be very easy to just kind of put it on autopilot at this point, you know? And, and there have been times in my career when I probably have kind of sat back and not 
pushed as hard as I could. But I think this whole situation in recent years has been really particularly good because it forces you to kind of bring your, you know, a game to stuff, you know, and really like have a plan and be juggling all these plates and, you know, really trying to make everything hit like just the way you've planned it, you know, I mean, we spend, I mean, as much time as we spend talking about the material, there's, there's, there's practically an equal amount of time talking about like, and me in my own mind thinking about like the, the plans and like, how is it, when is it coming out and how's it being received and who, you know, who's the audience for this and how do you reach that audience and, and just keeping the stuff material, like flowing and keeping it, you know, at a certain high quality level and stuff. I mean, I, I really, that's definitely a thing for me is just to be kind of like, there's no off days, you know? I mean, I kind of feel like that's sort of my mantra in that respect. Like this is, as far as I'm concerned, like this is like the NFL. It's like, you, you know, you're here and it's like, you better bring your best shit like every, every day out, you know, as much as you can. I mean, that doesn't mean I'm always like, go, 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 go or crazy. I mean, actually, in fact, it's kind of like the more you're pushing, the more I think you have to be sort of calm and have, you know, but it really comes back to the plan. Like it really comes back to like having a plan, like knowing where stuff is, knowing the status of the work, knowing how long it takes to get it done, you know, and holding everybody accountable for that. You know, I mean, that's like the only way I know how to do it. Like, I feel like at a certain point, like when you can't, when you're not, that hungry enough to keep pushing for that, then, it, then maybe that's your, your, the point where you sort of like, yeah, maybe I just should be doing something else, you know? Now, also, we're not just talking about retailers, but also the publisher. So you're dealing with Comixology, which is a publisher, and then Dark Horse. And <laughs> if you had their attention now, and mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe uh, I'm just, because I'm not an insider, once you get their attention, you want to hold on to that too, because... Mm-hmm they only have a certain amount of hours. They only have a certain amount of money. And if you committed to you guys, you know, you want to be able to deliver. So their commitment stays at a certain mm-hmm. level and launching the books and stuff. Is that true? That's a part of the reasons why to keep that. Once you get the pipeline in there, you want to, oh, be yeah. able to that they are still involved to the degree you want them to involve that. You know, that they're, mm-hmm. you, you're not looking back going, have I, have they lost interest in me? Are they not pushing me as much as they had, they, you know, that they would be? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's, I keep telling the Scott, I mean, the tricky part, and I think a scary part for, you know, both of us to a certain extent is like, we're basically running like a small company, right. That's got a lot of employees and but we're partnering with these other bigger companies that have a lot riding on it, you know, and it's not just the money they've invested in terms of the books themselves, but it's like, yeah, these are going to make up big parts of, you know, I mean, when you think of Dark Horse being able to sell single issues of a Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo book, like, I don't know what those numbers are going to be, but they're going to be significant numbers, you know, like they're not going to be just like, oh yeah, we collected this thing and put it out and there it is, you know? So it's like, yeah, and I, you know, I never worked for Dark Horse and I know the people at Dark Horse and they've been great to deal with. And, and they really seem to be really, I mean, Daniel Shabon is amazing. Like he's, like, I thought I was on top of my shit, but that guy is like, makes me look like you know (laughs) i mean he is really airtight which i really admire you know because i I feel like it's nice to see other people but he's also very congenial and he's really easy to work with you know i mean he's not like it's it's not like this really taskmastery vibe at all it's very collegial and very collaborative and fun and pleasant to deal with them 
but yeah, I mean, you realize they're counting on it and comicsology is counting on it. And, but then also the greater Amazon, you know, they have lots of interests, you know, from a lot of different sides, you know, we're talking to, you know, it's media people and audible people and Amazon music people. And, you know, so there's a lot of people that sort of suddenly put you under the microscope. So, and, you know, I think I've said before, you know, I think it's like Warren Buffett's quote about, you know, it takes 25 years to build a reputation and five minutes to lose it, you know? So it's sort of like, I feel like if nothing else, you know, my reputation in terms of my ability to deliver like quality books, like that's really important because obviously a lot of us were not really doing it for the money in most cases, you know? So, I mean, that's a big thing for me. It's just like to be able to look back on the books I've worked on and the people I've worked with and, you know, be proud of the work that you've done. And it's like, I don't want to just, you know, I don't want to just start hacking the stuff out just to, to get it out or, or nor do I want to start flaking out on them and, you know, stop being able to deliver like quality stuff, like in a timely way. I mean, it's still commercial publishing. So yeah. And the, the publisher still got, you still got to ship it, you know, at some point. And, and the publishers want to see a return on their investment. So yeah, for sure. Know, right. Yeah. Right. Now, I mean, not to be a gotcha question, <laughs> I know it felt like in my head, <laughs> but you undiscovered country, which is right. an image book that you're editing right. with Scott. It's not part of this new, the Scott Tober uh, comicsology. That's going on a big hiatus. That just went, you know, I think the last mm-hmm. issue, 18, finished up an arc. And now I'm like, wow, April. Okay. That, I think mm-hmm. that's a longer than. You've had other breaks, but I think that's a right. long. But I also know, and I don't know if I could talk about stuff, but I know Scott's busy with other projects that are out there. So mm-hmm. is it, how do you deal with that? Because you don't have, it's a different pipeline. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, an image is basically, yeah, do your thing, you know, kind of, you right. know, how do you feel the book might suffer or where um, was there a, yeah, is it something I mean, needed on a creative level that you just have to take that break and it's worth taking the break? I mean, yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, I, I don't think anybody likes to take a break necessarily. And I'm sure that retailers aren't happy that you're taking a break. And, yeah. and I wish that the break was shorter. I mean, it, it is, I mean, they are doing a lot of work on like the screenplay side of that, you know, Charles and Scott have been, you know, which I think is pretty public knowledge based yep. on, you know, them talking about it. So that's where they've been. So it's not as if they're just off. I mean, obviously Scott has all this other stuff and Charles has other stuff as well, but that's been a big part of their focus. So that, and, and, you know, at a certain level, you know, that's bummer for the comic book side and the comic book fans, but it's also like, you know, it, it's a lot of work. And if they're having the, if they have the opportunity to, to actually do the work themselves and not just have someone else take it away from them, then, you know, I think it's like, it's okay to try to accommodate that. Um, and I also feel like, I mean, I think it's better. I'm of the mind. It's better to, to put a book on some kind of hiatus and then come back knowing that you can deliver all the issues, you know, essentially like monthly rather than rush it put one out, have a delay, you know, issue 19 comes out, issue 20 comes out, but then 21 is three weeks late because then, you know, 22 is going to be another three weeks late. You know what I mean? Like you lose the time so quickly so that it's like, I think, you know, I think you've seen that with like, you know, Juan, you know, on saga even stuff. It's like, I feel like 
if retailers know when you're gone and when you're back and fans know when you're gone and when you're back, I mean, you certainly lose momentum and I'm sure that the sales, I mean, I, I don't think there's any mystery that the sales will suffer as a result, you know, as if, but, um, hopefully it's not so much, you know, and hopefully if there's ways to approach it almost as like seasons of a TV show, you know, where you come back and maybe, you know, that first issue back, you've got something real splashy happens or you've got a lot of cool variants or something to kind of get the numbers, you know, where, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's tricky because I'm sure the image guys aren't happy about it necessarily, but it's also, it's the double-edged sword for them. I think of, you know, you do allow the creators like the latitude to sort of do what they want, which is why you want to be working with them. But this is also, you know, this is the sort of inherent downside to that as well, you know, where there's no threat. I mean, they can't really, you know, cancel it. They can't get other people to do it. It's not like when you're working on Batman or something and you're, no matter who you are, you're replaceable, right? We're going to put an inventory story out or whatever it is, you know? So you you don't want to take advantage of that, but you also, you know, I don't know, like this stuff happens once in a while. So yeah, they're trying to get it back and hopefully we can get back. and, And at least, you know, as I said, you put out the art in a timely fashion and, you know, so fans know when to, when it's coming back and when they can expect the five or six issues in a row without without a break. I think that's where it's worse when stuff you don't know when it's out. It's just out. You know, weird times. It come, you know, oh yeah, like gaps that kind of stuff. I think I think that's what really starts to hurt you. Honestly. And then, uh, like on Diamond thing, you start getting you know the whole returnable returnability right. for the retailers right. and right. image. So you're right that that whole missing these, uh, these dates, then there's a financial hit too, by trying to chase that yeah. those deadline. Oh, yeah. So instead of no, just and the quality of suffers too. I mean, when you get to, when you start to get to the point where the team is on like a three week turnaround or something like there's no, you know, the quality is going to suffer. Like if you really want to try to hit the dates, then, you know, it's like, we could do it probably, but you can't do it for very long. And when you do see the end result, I mean, cause for me always, it's like, I mean, we just ran into it on the good Asian. We had like this blip on the, we had this blip where the artist had done issue nine and he sent in all the inks, like JPEGs of all the inks. And then he had this like ridiculous computer crash and like lost all of the stuff. And he took it to this tech place and they tried to reassemble the files and they couldn't do it. So basically he's like, I have to just redraw these files. I mean, he had the things to follow and all that, but like, but he still would need like, so he needed almost a month to like redo all the inks, you know, and they look fantastic and it was worth it and everything. But now issue 10, you know, the last issue is there's no way I'm going to hit the deadline that we had originally set for that. So, but he's, you know, he's like, Oh, I can come close to it. I got a couple of weeks. It's probably a couple of weeks past when, you know, we agreed that he could have it done, but he was kind of concerned about it and like, Oh, you know what, should I get some, someone to help me? And I was like, no, like we're not. Cause you're playing this long game of a collection and a book that's going to be around a long time and yeah. be in print in five years, 10 years, 50 years, you know, in a year from now, when that book is out and, you know, thousands more people have read it and enjoyed it and gotten something out of it. No one's going to care that like, well, in January of 2022, you guys two weeks late getting the thing, you know, you don't, I mean, and that's the trick. You like, you don't want to use that excuse all the time and you can't use that all the time. But like at a certain point, it's just like, let's keep the quality up. Let's not cut any corners. Let's get it in. This book's going to be around for years. So no one's going to look back and say, oh, those 
three weeks in January of 2022. That's the reason I'm not buying this, you know, trade paperback that really speaks to my experience of, you know, being an Asian American or whatever the hell it is, you know, I mean, it's just so, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it, yeah, that's, Camelot that's 3000, I think took about a year for issue mm-hmm. 12 to come out. <laughs> it was, wow, it was, a, it was a, a deep cut every, every track. Month, Every month, I remember, and then, yeah, I know, I know, that, uh, that's how old I am. Beautiful. And then around 10, it. 10, it crapped out, and then I think it was a whole year or longer for issue 12 to come out. No one cares now. Right. <laughs> and, and, oh, my oh, God. Am I, I the only one on the planet that remembers that there was this? Oh, I, I remember <laughs> when the delays on the Dark Knight, like when the Dark Knight? Frank was putting those out, like those issue three and four or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there was a huge gas between the issues and people what? were freaking out. Like I was working in a store then and it was like, did it come in? Did it come in? Did it come in? And it's like, no, it didn't come in yet. Watchmen, I think, and, was on a weird six week delivery schedule. And then right. I think the last couple issues were also delayed big time, but it was on this weird six yeah. week rotating I always, schedule. I always pushed for that at, at DC and no one ever bid on it. But I was always like, why don't we just put these books on a six weeks rotation? You know, and there's less issues every year, but there's less chance that this kind of crap's going to happen and you got to get filling issues or you're missing months. And, you know, with all the stuff that comes out in a given month and all the other, you know, distractions people have, particularly nowadays, it's like, does anyone remember that they, you know, that they didn't, oh my, that was two weeks later. Oh, I, I guess I bought that issue six weeks ago. I'm not going to, are you not going to buy the new issue? Like, I just think it's, mm-hmm. it's always been weird in the comic book world to me, like these guys who fight you on all this stuff. And I'm like, is this really the way you interact with comics? Is this the way when you go to the shop on a Friday night, are you going and saying to yourself, uh, you know, F those guys, they didn't deliver the book this week. I'm out, you know, after I've bought 17 issues of, you know, this or 85 issues of hundred bullets, but they would fight you like tooth and nail on these things. Like it was crazy. There was people, particularly at DC, like in the direct market side and stuff that were just like so adamant about, and it's usually based on conversations with like a handful of retailers that, you know, the real loud, angry retailer types that, you know, there was no market research to back it up. There was no audience polling. There was nothing. And I, I was always just sort of like, go to the store, tell me how you interact with the shelf, with the shopkeeper, with the guys there, you know, like tell me that that's how you do it and tell me that that impacts your, your buying stuff. You know, I mean, it just, I just never felt like that was the way I related to it. It's something I learned during the election is called the example of the one that, Mm -hmm. and certain people like to use the example of of the one and, and you're Mm -hmm. like, and you get caught up into it because it's an emotional thing or how they present it. It has some power, but when I was, when we were talking and looking at what was going on and some of the conversation, it's just like, wait a minute, that's not, is that, that's just one example. That's not, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's for everybody else. You have to really mm-hmm. stop and think of like the presentation and like you, you have a knee jerk reaction to it or you start wondering, but wait, it's an example of one. So one, is it really representative of the whole? Is it true to begin with or you know, was it a one-off even for that person of that week, that day? So yeah, if you're only talking to right. a handful of retailers, like uh, like Chuck Austin getting blackballed, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was a few big retailers saying, we're not going to buy his books. 
Right. And I'm like, but wait a minute, there's a whole other audience that probably like his books. I mean, does it right. really, you know, are you hurting your, you know, using this example of one being the determinant of your business model when you're reaching literally hundreds of thousands of people? Yeah. Know? Oh, that's why DC was definitely like that. You know, they had very tight relationships with a handful of these guys and the guys who you could probably name who were very like constantly rattling everybody's cage all the time, you know, and mm-hmm. it would, they had held so much weight in these meetings. You'd sit in these meetings and somebody would be, oh, well, so-and-so told me. And they'd be like, yeah, really? Tell me who that was. And it was always the same three dudes that were, you know, pissed off about one thing or another. And, and it's just like, I don't know. I just don't think this is how people, I mean, I would always use myself as an example. It's like, I love comics. I love reading comics until DC comics paid for me to go to a comic book convention in 2001. That was the first time I'd ever been to, to a comic book show. Like really. And it was like, but I still had 30 years of reading comics or something before that, you know? And it was just like, there's a lot of people like me. Like, I don't think I'm an anomaly when it comes to the sort of person who likes this medium and engages with it, but otherwise it's not, it's not their hobby per se, or it's not their life. And it's not, those aren't necessarily the people that like, those are the people I'm trying to reach with the books that I work on. I'm not so concerned about the person that's pissed off because the UPC label is like, isn't in the upper left-hand corner. Like it always was for 50 years. And now it's on the back, you know, like, I mean, literally they would fight you on that kind of stuff. Like move this to the back. Like no one gives a fuck. Like, come on, what are we doing? You know? And it's like, Oh no, no, no. They expect that, you know, they see it. I mean, I used to, they used to scream about the, the logo having to be in the top third of the book. And I was like, have you guys been inside a comic book shop since 1980? Like, like (laughs) nobody uses the waterfall racks. Nobody uses spinner racks, not in real comic shops. They're face out. Beat the crap out of the comics. (laughs) Right. All the new books are face out. And when they're not face out full cover, they generally are layered over each other. So really, if you were smart, you'd want to have the logo on the left-hand third of the book, like vertically on the left-hand third, or some information that tells people. And it was, oh my God, like the fights that we would have about, you know, I was like, put it in the middle, put it wherever. You know, so when you when Dave Johns would send a hundred bullets cover and the logo is meant to go across like the center of the cover and like he designed it as such. And they would literally send it back to me with it on the top, like covering someone's face in this big bar in the middle that was empty. You know, like, <laughs> well, it's gotta be in the top. I'm like, it's not. And thankfully Karen would fight for that and you know, support us. But oh my God, you can't imagine the hours of my life I've spent arguing with those guys about or those types of people about that type of stuff and i'm just like so thankfully we're we're beyond that now thank mm-hmm. god you know yeah so sorry i got you a little off track there but no but one thing before we close out like keeping the publisher's attention keeping your retailer's attention you know you mentioned that they're taking a break in undiscovered country to write the screenplay you want to talk about needing to keep people's attention i mean in hollywood if they stop sending you meals even you want bad stuff even if they're you know sending you notes that blow up everything, at least they're mm-hmm. paying attention to you. And mm-hmm. the moment you give them, the moment they find something else that's shiny, you know, you know, the right. sort of the romance is over. <laughs> so right. you right. have to, I mean, I can understand why taking a break, not only to just sort of be able to stay on schedule with the book and, you know, consistency, uh, you know, and level of, uh, you know, storytelling, but 
their new bosses over in Hollywood, you know, you've got to be there, you've got to be available or they'll right. find something else right. shiny. And you're like, what happened? You know? <laughs> All right. that money no, you just no, spent no. on me, what happened? Right. No. And on top of it, the opportunity to do it yourself, which is mm-hmm. until recently yes. was pretty unheard of. You know yeah. I mean? For years, anything that did get picked up, like at Vertigo, there was never any discussion about Jason Aaron was going to write the pilot to the Scalp screenplay, you know, or the first episode of Scalp, or Brian Azzarello was going to do a pilot for 100 Bullets. Now it's like it's just expected that that's what's going to happen. But so it's like as long as you have that attention and you have that, you know, they're letting you do it, like, yeah, you better figure out a way to move stuff around on the schedule so that you can do it. I read that pilot for Scalp. I read that. I read one version oh, of it. They it, actually shot it, right? I mean, there was there was a. I thought they were going they into had, production. I think they made the pilot. Yeah, they did make the pilot. Yeah, and then it didn't get picked up. I saw like short, some short sort of rough, you know, videos. I think that maybe Jason or somebody sent me, but you know, yeah, he didn't have anything to do with the no. The actual writing of it. I think they even, uh, yeah, I mean, I think maybe you got to go visit the set or something. Like that was the, the extent of it, you know? Oh, wow. <laughs> Which, yeah, I know. Now, it's crazy. But nowadays, he'd probably be brought, yeah, definitely. They probably, well, oh, for sure. I mean, like Scott is like, you know, on the witches, is like, got like the writer's room, like he's running like the room, you know? Which he's never run a show before. So, no, that's what he keeps saying. He's like, I've never run a show before. <laughs> I mean, they gave, you know, there's someone there that's sort of helping like guide that part of it. But yeah, believe me, there's conversations about like, I, you know, like I'm literally making this up as I go along and like, we're, you know, we're just like, yeah, it's fine. Is he running the actual production or is that going to be handed or is he just going to be learning, working with somebody on the physical production? Because a showrunner basically will leave the writer's room and then end up I don't know if you can even talk about this, but we'll end up getting the show up and running, basically producing the damn mm-hmm. thing and, you know, getting into mm-hmm. schedule and everything. Is he going to be yeah, following I'm not that? Really sure. I'm not exactly sure like what happens next, but you know, I mean, he's been involved all along, like in terms of doing the pilot and working with all these other writers, trying to get episodes and see where it's at kind of stuff. So yeah, he's definitely been very involved. Being a film buff, that is, basically unheard of in the last 10 years being able to go from comics jumping from comics and actually being considered to be a writer on a pilot or be involved in the show that's a great thing for i mean i know we talk about how you can't make any money in comics and and stuff and why is this industry which is now a billion dollar industry just you know on the you know how do people find a life you know find a make a living there but Mm -hmm. to be able to jump even with Scott and his history, 10 years ago, they would be like, yeah, whatever, you wrote this comic book, big deal, we're going to mm-hmm. bring in somebody mm-hmm. else. But to be able to do that and even follow along and learn like that, that's a whole new world to be exposed to and yeah. stuff. It's amazing to have those opportunities. Yeah, I've seen it and I've seen the whole arc of it. It's kind of interesting, like you said. I mean, from starting out and nothing was happening and then things started happening, but they weren't allowing the creators to actually be involved in it. And now to they get to the point where like they're letting you write the pilots and run the room and stuff. I mean, yeah, it's a huge change in not a very long amount of time. So it's great. Yeah. It's exciting, but keeps everybody on their toes. Well, you were talking about building your year around cons. 
And one thing we've always talked about for the last two years, unfortunately, ever since COVID started is about the con situation and how that, Mm -hmm. you know, interjects, you know, creativity, et cetera, et cetera. We've talked about it. No, any listener would understand. Are you building 22 around the con schedule? And are, do you feel confident that with what we've gone through and with the vaccination and people definitely like in New York Comic Con, the masking. And I know there were some kerfuffles about people not masking, but in general, the comic book industry and, and I guess readers and everybody seems to, when they go to a con, understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that confident that you can build your year around those events? And are you looking at a bit of normalcy in a way mm-hmm. when you're looking mm-hmm. out? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I hope so, but I mean, yeah, we're definitely, there's stuff for planned for San Diego, stuff planned for New York Comic Con, stuff planned for Thought Bubble. Um, I think some, I think the summer, I think, you know, they've spread a few. There's a one in Chicago. I think like the Seattle show might be like in August or something. I mean, I, I probably personally can't go to all of them, obviously, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're definitely planning that this stuff's going to happen and it's going to be closer to normal. And I think it can be. I mean, I, you know, I mean, look, like even by the time New York Comic Con rolled around last fall, like things were feeling pretty normal. I mean, the masking there, you were trying to get people to wear masks. But otherwise, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I was going back to rock shows and, you know, ball games and there's con and everything. So, you know, I mean, the Omicron kind of stuck a little bit of a pin in some of that, but yeah, it wasn't, it was only a couple months ago that I feel like we were thinking things were kind of back on the right track. You know, I mean, right up until about Thanksgiving, it felt like it was, you know, things were kind of just coming back. So yeah, we're definitely planning on it. I mean, if for some reason we can't, well then, you know, I don't know, we'll figure something out. We can't, you know, I mean, it's a good thing about having the digital channel that we're, we've got, you know, that's been a huge boom like all this time, you know, that to have, I just think, you know, if anything, it's just showed you that you just can't have all your eggs in one basket, you know? And so if these things that we do have planned around more traditional conventions don't happen because of this stuff, then, you know, we just have to pivot and think of something else, you know, (laughs) figure out some other way. I mean, ultimately, like if you have the product and the books are good and the work is good, like, I don't know, you'll figure something out, you know? I mean, it's just a question. That's the hard part figuring out all this other stuff is the easy part, you know? And, you know, thankfully working in a place like Comixology, working with them, working with Dark Horse, there's a lot of support, you know? I mean, there's a lot of people working on the marketing side and the book design side and the retail sales side, you know? I mean, it is, I understand that bureaucracy can be kind of a pain in the ass for people, particularly creative people sometimes, but, you know, I personally, like, don't mind having a certain safety net of, you know, having more than just me trying to figure it out, you know? So that's been, that's definitely been a relief a lot of my like anxiety or stress that might, you know, knowing that there's people that are kind of trying to work with you to figure all this stuff out at the same time. But, you know, I mean, we're not, we're, it's not, we're not curing cancer. So like, if it doesn't happen the way we want it to happen, like it's, you know, we figure something else out. And we've been doing this for two years. So yeah, to be able to pivot and, you know, come up with a plan B, Bam, that's probably something you're yeah, already I always got a, I always got a plan B. I always got a plan C, you know? I mean, that's yeah. what I would jokingly, but it's like, that's what I've been saying for, you know, I used to literally like, you know, on the board at work, it was like, always have a plan. Like that was the, 
you know, that was the, that's what I feel like is my job. Like is my role is to, you know, you want to be like the coolest one in the room. Like when the house is on fire, you know, and just be like, I got it. Look, I got a plan. Like, don't worry about it. You know, like their job is to do crazy, be crazy creatives. My job is to make sure that all the rest of the stuff is happening and that everybody's, you know, on the same page and not to worry about all that stuff. Like, let me worry about that. So to cap this off, is there a comic book or maybe I'll give you two that you're looking forward to reading that's kind you know, that will be coming (laughs) out this year. Um, Is there Uh, anything out there or you're like, uh, or is there a a novel you're looking forward to reading? Is there a a next men hardcover collection that's coming (laughs) and planned to come out this year? There's that She-Hulk collection. Yeah, right. I know, exactly. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say I don't really know. I mean, I'm interested in a lot of this, like the Substack stuff, you know, that's been getting announced, like this new Vaughn project that him and Nico, who I, you know, work with me on, on Pride of Baghdad, like they were the team for Pride of Baghdad. Um, that looks pretty cool to me, you know, so I'd like to try to see what he's got going there. And, and, you know, I mean, all that Substack stuff, like kind of blew up last fall and people have been sort of producing stuff, but you know, now it's like, you really got to start. I think they really got to start producing the stuff. So I'm kind of curious to see what, you know, now that like when the rubber really meets the road, like what they're able, what all these creators are able to produce and how it's going to be produced and how can you engage with it and stuff. But I mean, they have a lot of really, talented interesting people like at least talking a good game about you know these projects so now i feel like this year for that is kind of put up or shut up sort of time in terms of you know what do these books really look like you know are they any good like how do you read them is it a pain in the ass to read them you know all that sort of stuff so i mean i I don't mean to sound like i'm rooting against them i'm not i think it seems cool there's a lot of really awesome talented people that you know i'm just like all right well this is great but like once all the the hoopla dies down about it. Like you still got to do the work, you know? And there's also, I mean, the volume, you know, I followed it when on the announcements and I sort of just at the end of last, in the beginning of this year, I sort of, okay, I don't have the time because there's a huge amount of volume coming out just from the announcements and them keeping um, people engaged, you know, will there, are there, is there an audience there that will start looking at this stuff? It really, be there. I mean, the saturation right. point I'm wondering, I'm curious about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Well, that's what I, I guess. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm talking about too. Is like, who are the real winners and losers going to be, you know, out of it in terms of, because there's only so many dollars that you can allocate to this stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, now it's this new wave of people, whether it's like Graham and Vaughn and Tom King and these guys, I mean, obviously they have big audiences, but it's also like the switching costs, sometimes can be prohibitive in terms of like, all right, well, I'm already supporting four of these people that I really like. So now do you decide, okay, well, I got to drop one of those and I'm going to pick up one of these new ones or do I just add on or do I just say, you know, and even with this new wave of stuff, I think like, I feel like they've already announced that a lot of them are going to be published. Yep. Like an image or other places. So it's like, for you know, that's kind of an interesting approach from the standpoint of like, yeah, I'd like to jump on to like the Vaughn one, but if I'm already spending 25 bucks a month on four other ones, like, yeah, maybe I'll just wait till it comes out in the counter shop in a year or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's sort of like, it, it, there's going to be a lot of people having to make these kind of arbitrages about, you know, where they're going to put their dollars and their 
mind space and attention, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, I'd be curious to see like how that starts to shake out in terms of, you know, can some of these mid tier people, for instance, like, can they survive or are they going to just get dropped or, you know, how's it really going to, going to shake out, you know? Yeah. And, and what's the, you know, a lot of, what do the books look like? How do I read them? You know, get the stuff. It's, you know, making the deadlines being consistent, you know, especially yeah, right, once you go exactly. to print and, and right. just being able to keep people because you're also asking people to pay up front on a, a lot right. of it subscription. So, you know, am I get, you know, the, the, the reader going, am I getting my, you know, the best bang for my buck, you know, or do I drop this right away? And it is a really quick, easy way. I mean, and you know, yeah. Uh, you know, people, well, there's like, a lot of engagement, you know, uh-huh. which is what they're kind of selling, which I think is interesting, but at the same time, like, you know, and there's discords and there's all these things, but like how many of those can you be a part of, you know, to feel like you're getting the value back, you know, like if part of the sell is, Oh, you have this connection to the creator and you can be on our message boards talking about them and talking with them and interacting and yada, yada, yada. It's sort of like, okay, but like once I've gotten the Scott one and the James one, and maybe now I'm going to add Vaughn's one, like, you know, it's just a lot to keep track of and a lot to kind of figure out. Like there's only so many hours in a day and only so much tension, you know, and then you layer streaming services on top of it and Instagram time on top of it and work time on top of that. It's yeah. It'd be curious to know, like if people start to feel like after the initial, you know, hoopla about it, that's, like you said, is, is this really the value? Am I getting my money's worth? Do I want to keep this going? You know, I don't know. I'll be curious to see how, I, the, I, how the year shakes out. I hit that right away. I'm just like, wait a minute. I have, I'm looking, I wake up and I'm looking at all the books I have that are untouched that I would right. love to read. And right. I'm like, I'm beginning every so often I feel my mortality and I'm like, wait a minute. And then I'm, yeah, I get, Oh, then I got four Substack emails of announcing right. know, my weekly emails. And I'm like, well, okay, wait, something has to give here. And you know, where, wh- where are my real commitments as just yeah, right. Exactly. And for and, me doing yeah. the podcast, it helps me prep, but still, you know, there's only a certain amount of hours in a day. No. And as things get back to normal, quote unquote, it's like part of the, uh, the experience or of being a comic book fan for a lot of people is like going to the shop and going, getting your books and getting your pull list. And maybe your friends are the people who run the store. Maybe there's other friends there. Or there's a signing or there's an event or whatever it is. And as that stuff starts to come back strong in this year, like what does that do to these more kind of, I mean, you've seen it a lot in, even in like if you follow the stock market at all, you know, this bundle of kind of stay at home stocks as they call them, you know, whether it's, it's you know, it's the zooms, it's the Netflix, it's like a lot of the sort of Peloton. You know, grub hub off Peloton. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. You've seen a, like a lot of losses in some of those segments because, you know, exactly that it's just like you know people's habits you go back to your old habits and you know you're you're out doing other stuff or you're going back to the gym you don't need as much of that so be curious because a lot of i mean it is cool and it's an awesome opportunity and they've been spending a lot of money to create you know help creators which i never think's a bad thing but it is kind of interesting as we start to migrate back to more normal social interaction like how much time are you going to have for this you know, does it just start to feel like another thing that you're, you've got to deal with, like say every Monday morning when you wake up and there's five new sub stacks for you to engage with. It's just like, Oh, 
you know, I mean, it's easy. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't want to sound like I'm negative about it. I just am going to be curious to see. I think that's something this year to kind of see how that is going to shake out, you know? Oh, once again, I mean, to take, to have somebody offering money because it's not just A-listers, it's, you know, some other creators who are, you know, B or whatever, or, you know, but just a talented, but just yeah, haven't, yeah. you know, to get this money and get these opportunities to maybe be, do their books and be your pure creativity of what they want, you know, what they, in, you know, envision in their comic. Mm-hmm. It's an injection of cash. And I, I'm not saying I hope it fails by any means, but there is going to have to be an adjustment on it. And, right. you know, basically as in the return, hopefully we get some sense of normalcy and other distractions that we have. And just, mm-hmm. even if we were locked down for another five years, how many sub stacks can you read, you know, mm-hmm. in a week, you know, right. and how many can you really afford to, you know, now we're dealing with inflation and everything, you know, just, there are limits to attention and finances and everything, you know? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I see it in the streaming services, but I like, I start to realize like part of the reason I, s- I haven't had cable for 15 years is because of these freedoms, but, and because of the cost, but now I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm paying as much or more as I was paying then, you know? And I, and it's like, I don't, there's whole, you know, like, things like the Disney plus or other things like that. It's like, well, like I've, you know, like, why am I still paying for this? I've sort of maxed out my, you know, Mandalorian episodes and I don't have little kids. So it's like, I, you know, it's just like, I, but I, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to see, like, you just start to feel like, well, maybe I'll just, when was the last time I logged onto that? Like I might as well just take a hiatus from it and then maybe I'll come back when the next season's on or whatever, you know? So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. keep paying twelve bucks a month to fall asleep in front of the Mandalorian. <laughs> it kept putting me to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm man. gonna get the hate mail finally. Oh, <laughs> good. The hate mail is good. At least people are engaged. You know, you're like engaged when you start to get the hate mail about Mandalorian. <laughs> Just that. I'm like, oh, what a yawn. So yeah, um, we'll, we'll, uh, I I wish success because it's a great avenue for creators not to be. You know, there's other avenues, you know, the opportunities mm-hmm. are there, but uh, man, they probably have thought about this. I mean, if not, hopefully they are of like, what are we going to do it as things sort of return, you know? Well, I, you know, it's tricky. I would, I don't know if they have or not. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't speak for Substack, but I mean, the individual creators, I mean, there's, a, there's some very savvy creators that I, you know, know, and then there's some that. I, you know, I, I don't know if I'd send them to the store to get a quart of milk because they might get lost on the way home, you know? So it's like, and those are the ones sometimes maybe you, you know, like putting all your eggs in any one basket, I just think is a bad idea. So, you know, for anybody, so hopefully they're not, you know, I, I've lived long enough now to see and worked long enough in this business to see the people, you know, Oh, we're saving comics. You know, like I heard that from, when the guys went to Marvel in 2000 and then I heard it from the cross gen guys and I heard it from, you know, these, it's like, Oh, you know, just doing my part to save comics or whatever. When they moved to California, DC, we're going to revolution, you know, and it's like, you know, it's great. It's exciting, but it's also like get, get the use out of it that you can get and get the support from it that you can get. But like, I don't know that it's like the, the, the be all end all necessarily yes. either, you know? So, keep, keep yourself open to other opportunities. Keep, 
keep good relationships with other, you know, other companies, other creators. I mean, that's still the paramount thing. There is no magic bullet to solve anything, no, but it's no. just, you know, yeah, the opportunities that have and what you make of them. Right. So, yeah, and well, try not to burn, burn your bridges. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, Will, this went longer than I expected. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's good. So we'll kick off the year with a yeah. nice rambling one that's all over the map. And next time, I swear, we're going to do a quick little episode. There goes my retention rate. Oh. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Cut it into two. (laughs) Well, uh, we have plans. We've discussed other things for what to do with Dropped in 2022. So I guess we'll be in touch. I will be in touch and we will start recording and, you know, uh, you know, keep an eye out, keep an ear out to uh, more episodes of Cropped because we have some plans. (laughs) Always have a plan. Always have a plan. (laughs) All right, man. Stay Good dry during this yeah, big bad. storm. Me too. I know, right? Another one, ice storm or something. Yeah. That's great. And All I right, will, brother. I'll talk to you in a, a, a very soon. Okay. Very soon. Okay. Take it See easy. Later. Bye. Later. Bye.